and welcome back to the ATI Podcast. Barrett here for episode 83 of the ATI Podcast. Already in the second season, things are starting to near an end here on the second season, and I'm very excited about what I'm bringing you today. Today, we're going to be speaking with Spotlights, Ipecac Recordings, hailing from the Northeast. I believe Brooklyn is their advertised location, but I believe members of the band are in the Pittsburgh area as well. Uh, we're going to get into a deep dive of their sound and catalog. We're going to focus a little bit more so on their newer releases that came out this year and some of the projects they have going on, but we're going to have both Chris, the drummer, and Mario, the lead singer, uh, lead guitarist, only guitarist for that matter, audio engineer for the band, uh, kind of a jack of all trades. We're going to have both of those gentlemen on the call today. We're really looking forward to bringing our audience our conversation with Spotlights here in a moment. Before we get there, of course, you know how we do. We like to open up and warm the band up, if you will, with some current events, topics, and talk. I'm flying solo today, so we will not have the usual co-host interplay, which is just fine. I can talk at myself all day long, or my wife will tell you that exactly the same. I'm just going to pick out one topic for this week for us to talk about, and uh, you know we've kind of talked about this to somewhat a nauseum. We got to talk about the fact that Donald J. Trump indicted once again for his attempt to overturn the election results. This is his fourth indictment. Trump and 18 of his allies are charged via grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. Charged under Georgia's Riot Act. So that's actually a a racketeering act that they put into place some years ago. And it made it a little bit easier in pursuing the charges through those avenues because it is an act specifically that was passed to target against white collar crime and political corruptness. And a lot of the charges that are taking place, of course, related to the attempts to overthrow the election and January 6th and all those unfortunate events that took place, you know, point back to Trump and his team and the things that they were attempting to do. So kind of famously in time, if you all remember, there was a call made to Georgia election officials telling them to find 11,670-something votes, or it might have the last few numbers transposed there, but essentially, you know, encouraging them to change the electric election results, which totally defeats the ideas of democracy and institutions that this country is built upon. You know, these are fascist-type moves and uh, is something that we have to speak out against. You know, that's this is our platform And I can't encourage folks enough to, you know, pay attention to what's going on around you. And uh, people that have upheld this stooge, President Pig shit in particular, you know, we're in Missouri. We're in a, unfortunately, in a state that's used to be a swing state, but has turned into almost a conservative wall nowadays, unless you're around a, you know, a major city like a St. Louis, uh, Columbia, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, those lean liberal, usually vote liberal, but everywhere else is so predominantly red and, and big turnout. So Missouri usually, in almost all cases, all the way back to the 90s, have went, has went Republican. So there's a lot of people in Missouri in particular, a Schmidt, which is our representative, uh, Josh Hawley, a senator from Missouri. These people are people that have rode the coattails of a Donald Trump and some of his policies that he's taken under his wing 
and has really just royally fucked the people of Missouri in particular. You think that these people, and this is a, a comment that I can make about politicians in general. I'm no huge fan of most politicians, regardless of political affiliation, but you got to call evil when you see it. And in particular, the things that have gone around in the Trump administration, post-Trump administration, his attempts to get back into the presidential seat. This guy should have cut his losses and moved on to begin with. Um, and I don't really understand the fascination and need. I think it's kind of like the jaded lover kind of ideas. And that is that he just can't stand the fact that he lost. He's a sore loser. There's always been excuses around every corner. I wasn't happy about him initially becoming the president, but I also tried to take the advocation that Dave Chappelle took with SNL, and that is we need to give the guy a chance. As much as we all you know, think this is going to be gloom and doom and don't have a very positive outlook on where things are going, whatever the case is, we have to give the guy a chance because maybe some of it was political showmanship and this isn't exactly who he is. I mean, I think we all had a pretty good idea who the guy was to begin with. Yes, he had reality shows like The Apprentice that kind of gave us a peek into who he was, but you know, some of those things are done for cameras. Some of those are staged or scripted, but Donald Trump's not a guy who's shied away from the limelight in general. Been on multiple news networks in the past. Was a frequent drop-in of the Howard Stern show in particular over the years. I grew up in a Howard Stern household. My dad listened religiously for 15 plus years. He made the trek from terrestrial radio onto satellite radio whenever he got his deal with Sirius. And Donald Trump was... I think unapologetically himself several times on that show. And while, you know, some things were made, comments were made in jest, it gave you a peek into the guy. And so whenever I saw videos leak uh, leading up to his 2016 campaign, such as the uh, Billy Bush thing where they were on the, the tour bus and he's, you know, using what they called his locker room talk famously. I've been in a lot of locker rooms and unless a joke was just made, to just be ridiculous and over the top and everybody in that circle knew that you weren't serious by your comments but those comments were made seriously trump more than just that occasion made comments to that tune uh, over the miss universe pageant and those sorts of things he talked about on the howard stern show going into those rooms underage girls teenage girls there's sound bites out there folks just google that shit but I'm not going to beat of that dead horse in particular and get back onto present day issues. And that is, so they're charging Trump under the Riot Act in Georgia. Uh, Mark Meadows and Giuliani in particular are uh, among the other 18 that are being charged, as well as, oddly enough, a PR person that represented not only Trump, but Kanye and R. Kelly. So, you know, it's the company that you keep, right? 91 criminal charges total now to date against Trump. Now, I have a lot of friends that are kind of pessimistic about this whole deal, and they think that Trump's somehow going to evade everything. I'm really of the opinion at this point, 91 charges, that's pretty daunting. He's going to be going to four separate court cases here. I think actually this month in particular, uh, some of those are going to start up, but he's all the way up until March of next year. Now there's going to be appeals and like the whole lawyer game, kick the can down the road and all that stuff that they do in the legal field, you know, so I'm not here to like speculate on all of that, but 91 charges. It's going to be hard for me to believe that something isn't going to land in 91 charges. And especially you talk, start talking about the years collectively that he would have to serve, even if just a fraction, a small fraction of the charges land, there's some very serious offenses in here. And they're not to be taken lightly. I don't understand. On one hand, you have to tip your cap to the guy because somehow he's made people drink the Kool-Aid and regardless of what he says and does, that is contradictory to his own maneuverings. Blatantly, he his base remains his base. And there's something to be said about that. Is it redeeming? I mean, I guess. You got to tip your cap to the guy in that, in that sense. 
you know, his loyal followers are his loyal followers, but what is the quality of that company that you keep? What is in that base? And we've done episodes in the in prior episodes, first season in particular, second season, where we've talked about some of those people in his base, the more boots on the ground stuff that we've observed. Um, Missourians feel a little bit more safe in acting out and in the professing their love for Trump in general, especially in the southeast sector of Missouri that we're located in. We get to see a lot of it day in and day out. And I, let me just say this. Trump does not give a shit about you. He doesn't. And most politicians don't give a two shits about you. Could give zero fucks. They could give negative fucks about you. But Donald Trump is definitely a guy that that comment is painted all over. He's a guy who was happy that COVID came along so he didn't have to shake poor people's hands anymore. You know, I mean, think about that. Seriously, these are quotes directly from this man's mouth. Trump has 10 days to turn himself in from the DA there in Fulton County. There will be a mugshot. Now, I, for one, cannot wait for this mugshot. The reason being is because it's going to demean him in some way, by his perspective of things, that is. Obviously, not ideal to be getting a mugshot, right? Like, I don't think anybody aspires to that, or at least anybody with any sense. But it's definitely going to be a shot at the ego of a guy who has an overinflated sense of self as it is. So I can't be excited enough to see this mugshot. And uh, I'm wondering if he's going to have one of his like smarmy, smirky little smirks on his face. I'm I'm just curious, like what approach is he going to take to the photo shoot, you know? (laughs) But... Trump, I guess the angle he's working now with this, of course, there always has to be an excuse. He's alleging that uh, a document was uploaded to the Fulton, Fulton County Courthouse's website, which rigged the jurors against him prior to the vote. A spokesman for the court called this reporting fictitious, which that reporting led back to Reuters initially. And Reuters reported that it was uploaded earlier in the same day that the the ruling was coming out, but now has since walked back that reporting. Take that into consideration as well. So why would a news institution walk back their own reporting? Now, it's unusual that you would even see that now in the 24-hour news cycle because people's attention spans are often too short, and it's just like kind of on to the next thing usually. But Reuters has actually walked back their own reporting. You're not going to see that on Fox News. You're probably not going to see that on MSNBC. You're not going to see that on CNN. You know, it's about who has the information first. They want to blurt it out regardless of the accuracy, how many verified sources. There's a lot of that that goes on because that's the nature of the 24-hour news network. They want viewers. They have to sell subscriptions. They have to sell advertising space. And so the more people, more eyeballs on their product, the higher that they can sell their ad spaces, you know, so on, so on, so on, the the cyclical corporate cycle that news has become. News has special interest money in it constantly. It is hard to find unbiased news sources. My only encouragement to folks is, is to lay news sources against each other. Go and look at a left-leaning paper or a liberal paper and lay that against a conservative reporting on the same subject. Then try to find some middle ground reporting agency. I highly encourage folks in the U.S. to seek out things like Al Jazeera or BBC. Seek out news outlets outside of this country and see what their perspectives are about our political ongoings. I just can't advocate education enough when it comes to things like this. The big talking point, of course, with the boots on the ground stuff, too, we have to mention is a lot of Trump supporters supporters are pointing to it's always about whataboutism, right? You know, this shit goes back to Stalin's communism. This shit goes back to Hitler's SS and the neo-fascist movements over in Germany in World War II. A lot of what you see in the Trump template is neo-fascism worship. It is Stalin 
era borderline dictatorship, not even really, yes, communism was the political roadmap, but Stalin was very much a dictator, killed, genocide, millions of people, his own people, because he couldn't support them financially, he couldn't feed them financially. He wiped out segments of his own country, his own people. He ran ethnic groups out into other countries, into India, for example. Trump and his administration and his approaches and his thoughts and his political motivations align more so with people like this. So, you know, they get up and they talk about socialism and they talk about communism and their political rallies, but they are literally employing the exact extreme bad examples led by fascists and or dictators. And that's what I see in Trump. And so we're engaging in this whataboutism and the current day whataboutism relating back to this most recent charge with Trump is a lot of people are pointing to Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, a middle-aged black woman in Georgia, uh, facing enough discrimination as there is, whether that's publicly endorsed or not, or behind the scenes endorsed, being a middle-aged black woman from the South, I'm sure is very challenging and daunting. And for her to put herself out in the public eye like she has enough is I'm sure that she often contemplates career changes or wonders why she got into the career that she did, into politics, and has had some unsuccessful runs for political office. But the things that people are pointing back to Stacey Abrams is the fact that she had made it her mission as a part of some of her most recent campaigns was to rule out political corruptness, fight back against voter fraud, and all of these things that unfortunately are are plaguing this country. And I wrap gerrymandering, redistricting into that conversation because it is a Republican 101 game plan because they can't win. And this is how they began to win elections. And I, that's in particular, you've seen it in Missouri. I've detailed it on this podcast, how it's literally affected us locally, where they changed polling places within two weeks and people didn't know and they sent out mailers like USPS is like the absolute slowest way to notify anything. There was no radio announcements. There was no, uh, and even terrestrial radios become kind of outdated. There was no social media postings, anything like that about the redistricting or anything. It was a letter sent to the constituents of the area that they had to change their polling places. This is the type of shit that is in the GOP's game plan and playbook. And Trump is just another puppet in that wheelhouse. He's another cog in the machine. And, Again, I just don't understand how people can look at him and say, especially, you know, those evangelicals and those people like, you know, that tried to like tie a religious affiliation to all this. How is this guy the answer? How is this guy the second coming? Like this deity, the brush that he's being painted with, the QAnon quacks. They, th- they think that he is like the Messiah, you know? All these extreme movements, these groundswells that have taken place, people are taking QAnon theories you know, I, I point to the Maui fires right now. You would not believe the shit that I've seen online, specifically targeting Jews, anti-Semitic bullshit with relations to the Maui fires. Like, how can you correlate those two things? And often it goes back to these wacky ass conspiracy theories, particularly embedded in QAnon with space lasers that are funded by the Jews, allegedly, and all this other stuff. And there's people that seriously think that a space laser started the fire in Maui and the Jews control it. Like, I can't believe that this is like the stupidity that I have to address here, but this is my platform. This is what I do. Uh, I like to, you know, give that spotlight to artists 
that we feel like deserve an extra spotlight. And I did not mean the pun because we have spotlights coming in a moment, of course. But also at the same time, and you know that we call that segment our guest spotlight segment, but we also like to put a spotlight on the corrupt. We like to put a spotlight on the wrongdoings in the world. And I've always been a firm believer, drag it out into sunlight. Drag these subhuman individuals out into the sunlight and let it expose them. Let it expose their evil deeds. Let it expose the bad things that they're doing. Let it expose the things that they're doing that are not in the interests, in our case, of the American people. This is how you get solutions to problems. This is how you stop cancers from spreading in our country. So I can't speak out enough against, obviously, all the things going on with Trump. I hope this motherfucker gets his. I hope that it's all very public and it's very humiliating. I hope it's death by a thousand cuts in the sense that, you know, he gets everything that's coming to him. And it's important for the American people to see that nobody's above the law. The Republicans, the GOP are this party that claims that they're a part of law and order. But whenever it applies to them, of course, here we go back to the hypocrisy, right? You know, whenever the law and order applies to them, well, then it's there's an excuse. There's, they're out to get me. They're making this political, you know, so on and so on. Here's an idea. How about following the fucking law? How about being a decent human being? I'll make it even more basic than that. You know, the golden rule, like that that's a thing, like treat others how you want to be treated. How about a little bit of that? How about that? So I think that's all I'm going to have to say on that today for our open. And I want to dedicate a large portion of our time to the program today to our guest. And that is Spotlights. Spotlights is... Mario Quintero on guitar, vocals, and keys. Sarah Quintero on bass and vocals. And Chris Enriquez on drums. They are a three-piece. They're a power trio. The band released four full-length albums to date. That is Titles in 2016, Seismic in 2018, Love and Decay in 2019, as well as Alchemy for the Dead, their latest release, which we're going to lean into heavily on this episode and talk about. They also have some EP offerings out there. Uh, They've been a part of compilations and tributes and i know i just discovered these guys in late i'll say like early winter late fall of 2022 late to the party unfortunately but fortunately i've educated myself and caught up on their discography to date and i hope that i will implore the rest of you to do the same or encourage you to do the same and of course you know how we do we're going to be hearing some spotlights in the break segments clips going in and out of the interview today and then stay tuned for the very end of the episode where you will hear a full-length song of spotlights as well so stick around after the break for my interview with chris and mario from spotlights
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ATI Podcast. And our very special guest this week is the band Spotlights. We have both Mario and Chris from Spotlights. How are you gentlemen doing today? Good. How are you, man? Howdy. We're doing great. Awesome. Guys, this is a huge pleasure for us. We're really big fans of you guys. I just recently come into uh, discovering your music here in the last nine months or so, shamefully. And boy, was I missing out because you guys have got the quite the catalog. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Better late than never anyway. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> so just kind of a quick introduce, in, introduction to your band, kind of your guys' sound and that sort of thing in the event that some of our listeners haven't listened to you guys yet. And shame on you because I've been sharing their music constantly <laughs> and links to their music. So guys, check these folks out. Spotlights is amazing. But I would kind of simplify your sound, I guess, if I was to say it's kind of haunting yet serene, damning, but angelic, nightmarish, but dreamy. Uh, You guys have got a lot of soundscapes going on. And I think you cross multiple genres and platforms. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, whether it's uh, on purpose or not, you know, we tend to like the dichotomy of like dark and light and heavy and pretty etc you know absolutely and i know like one thing too right away that with your band that kind of drew me to you is kind of the production elements as well uh, that you guys incorporate and i know mario you're wearing multiple hats you uh recorded all of your most recent abalon in particular but have you recorded all of your guys's music to date yeah i've i've played part in all of them i've recorded on and mixed and produced all of them with the exception of seismic which was our second full length um aaron harris uh, the drummer from the band isis recorded that record i mixed it but he recorded and produced it we we went to la and got a proper studio for that one and yeah it was real it was a lot of fun aaron's one of the best in the business man he is man he's awesome love that dude well you know it's funny that you bring up isis because you know to hammer down a little bit more if people don't get kind of some of my descriptors you know i think you guys as far as genre wise you guys touch a little bit of the shoegaze you guys touched a little bit of doom you guys touch a little bit of post metal and then i guess a little bit of like what most folks would consider the masses kind of like modern day alternative rock so right. you know listening to your guys's discography and your various songs over time there's moments that sounded like smashing pumpkins siamese dream error almost shoegazy and and, and a more nice. modern band like nothing i would say right um when it comes to the doomy stuff you guys got you know very doomy riffs uh sabbathy at times but you know to use like a modern day example i would say like there was moments that i was thinking of torch listening to you guys hell yeah we love torch Uh, They're one of the best. Of course, those post-metal vibes, I'd say there's a little touch of ISIS. Funny that we bring Aaron Harris up in particular. Yeah. And I would assume that you guys kind of have multiple influences coming in to this project in and of itself. What are some of the influences you guys would kind of consider some drivers? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, those are all, all those comparisons I take as a compliment because they're all great bands. Um, But yeah, I don't know as far as like influences, Sarah always has a a good way of describing us, which is, it's like if, uh, if the cure and neurosis had a baby, there you go. And I think that to me kind of encapsulates what we, what we do for me. I love both those bands and it makes perfect sense. The cure is probably my favorite band of all time. And as far as like the heavy stuff, you know, most of the bands in the modern day, at least on the post in the post metal world wouldn't exist without neurosis you know so absolutely i think uh they're the you know as far as that side of stuff they're a big one melvin's are a huge influence for us oh yeah what do you got chris any you know i i think that uh two bands that uh mario and i and sarah also um really like a lot are helmet and quicksand huge um so you know there's there's a bit of that in there as well oh yeah helmet was definitely my 
like the only band I listened to probably from 1991 to 93 straight. <laughs> That's awesome. Nonstop. Yeah. Strap it on in, in meantime. I think I can definitely see that in, uh, you know, some of your guys' riffs and some of your songwriting too, the influence wise. Quicksand's another one of my absolute favorite bands. And yeah, I, I can, I can definitely see that, that there as well in the influences without question. You know, too, with you recording everything, Mario, especially whenever you guys were, uh, things leading up to Alchemy, I noticed yeah. you guys kind of did some video footage of the production and making of the album in particular. And something that I just stood out to me right away was the interplay between you and Chris and while you guys were actually recording the album. And it seemed like you guys were locked in on the same page just kind of the approach you guys were taking with this most latest album and recording too especially when it came to drums and how uh you know you recorded like the toms and stuff and that separate from the cymbals very right. similar to the approach of like queens of the queens of the stone age and things like that of the past totally was that the first time that you guys kind of took that approach with the recording process yeah definitely and I mean, even with the writing process, I think the reason we kind of were, we seemed so much on the same page at that point, not that we aren't usually, but we, we did a lot of work beforehand, like while we were writing, Chris and I collaborated a lot just on ideas and like sound ideas, just, you know, I, I would make a playlist and send it over and he would like record beats and send it over. And we just were back and forth a lot with stuff like that. So by the time we got the songs were written and we were in the studio, we had a pretty clear cut idea of what we wanted things to sound like so it wasn't a ton of even though we did a lot of experimenting sure we had a goal in mind so it was it was pretty easy to do and uh and yeah i mean doing the the symbol separate something being an engineer and i know most engineers will agree with me symbols are the devil oh, yeah. in in the recording process so like being able to to have a drummer that can do that first of all and and not take you know two days three days per song to do it um makes it really easy and it's a lot of fun because then you can really treat the drums however you like in the in the recording you know you can process them totally differently without the worry of the cymbals bleeding in through all the mics like they usually do um so like things like compression and different types of eq and and saturation can it's it's really hard to do those things unless you have the separation like that um or at least go aggressive with them you know and without having to gate and chop take all the noise out of every every close mic you get like and that's why people end up using samples a lot because right they they want that sound but it's pretty hard to achieve when you when you have a ton of cymbals just washing into every single microphone your guys' sound is something that I feel like you guys are always tinkering with from release to release. And, uh, you know, again, with this newest album, it seems like this might be like your most ambitious. You guys are kind of that, that that sound is being spread out across multiple genres in a concentrated dose, I feel like. And I have to pivot back to Chris on this in particular. And I think the thing that's most transformative about your guys' band as a whole with this newest album is Chris's drumming. And that is the fact that he's doing a little bit of everything. Uh, not to say that he wasn't in the past and I have a lot of appreciation <laughs> for your drumming, Chris. And because you. you are subtly awesome. I'm a drummer primarily by trade as far as instruments that I play. And uh, to be locked in in the groove that you are in constantly, um, you're in the pocket and you just do, do very chill, subtle stuff that just enhances the overall presentation of the band and the music. Particularly, I think it stands out on this newest album. Thank you very much. I think uh, to touch on what you said earlier, too, the uh, collaboration certainly helped because uh, 
Mario is a drummer, and um, we are uh, in communication often about how things should sort of uh, be held back or not. And there's a, a, a active conversation about that versus sort of uh, taking uh, chances. Uh, you know, not not to say that there weren't some um, you know free flowing things happening in the process, but I think things were mapped out and discussed. And what was really nice is uh, how sometimes disagreements in, um, uh, in the studio can sort of make more sense when they're coming out of the speakers, once the right. guitars and everything are laid down. So um, I think I learned a lot from the process of making this record. And I feel like this one um, really has brought us a new audience. Uh, you know, I don't think that was uh, in our minds when we were doing it, but it's been noticeable on the road, there are people that, like yourself that are saying they just heard about us, even though we've been a band for seven years. So, um, you know, it's really cool to see whatever we did on this one kind of resonated a little bit more to uh, people outside of what we were catering to before that, I guess, uh, yeah. for lack of a better word. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. I agree. And I mean, like with the process with Chris, it was like we did this before when we did Love and Decay. Uh, it was way more stripped down the way we did things, but we were also in a very small space like this. It was just a practice space in Brooklyn instead, but that we, we didn't really have the time to like really dig into fills and stuff like that. But it is nice here. We were, we were really able to like, just like break the fills down and be like, okay, you know, and I mean, we have, we can do the drummer talk pretty easily to just be like, no, more like a not instead. Right. <laughs> well, so, uh, to and, also add to that, not to beat a dead horse uh, on on this topic, but I think one thing that should be mentioned is that we also connected on how some drum fills, even to a non drummer or a non musician, in certain songs are very memorable and catchy. And so right. some examples of that came up um, that, uh, you know, I'll give you one example. I don't, I, I don't think this was an influence, but you know, everyone knows the drum part in bloom by Nirvana, yeah. whether, whether you play drums or not, Absolutely. you know, that part. Totally. So um, the idea, I guess, of that was something in our minds that we wanted to convey that pe- they would be memorable and not just to, uh, just to play or yeah. to do something and sick. Not, not only know? with the drums, but just in general on this record, I think we tried to think of that like melodies. And I mean, I, I just think of that regularly anyway. Just I think <clears throat> because The Cure is such a big influence on me and they kind of, that's like one of Robert Smith's biggest things is like every little melody in and the beats, anything that's in that song is a piece that could stand on its own. And it's a little memorable piece. And so, like, I love that approach to heavier music, too, just because, you know, the the groove can be a hook. The fills yes. can be a hook. The bass yes. line can be a hook. The guitar melody can be a hook. The riff can be a hook. You know, so all those things, without without simplifying them even, they don't have to be just, like, dumbed down and simple necessarily. It's just we try and step back and be like, okay, if I was just hearing this as a listener. Right. Is it gonna is it gonna grab me not just as musicians being like, ooh, look how much I can fucking play and, <laughs> Right, you know. right. The musicality of the performance versus, you know, the playing the right thing at the right time. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that's I over time have come to appreciate more and more and obviously in my own playing and things like that is the fact that you you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Right. You know, you <laughs> yeah. really need to be 
interactive with your surroundings. And I think that's a, another huge plus of your band. I mean, you guys being a power trio, I'm sure it's kind of helpful that you don't have as many people in the room, you know, collaborating into one central focus of an idea per se, but totally, you know, the chemistry is just otherworldly that you guys have. And, uh, you know, I've watched countless live performances and every performance it's there. Thanks, man. You know, I think that there's perhaps some things and I'm just going to make some assumptions like as you guys have played over time, I think you guys have gotten more sure with yourselves and, and your sound and your ambitions and your chemistry is built and built and built to where even like in, I, I think I caught some videos uh, of yours, Mario, where you're kind of talking about how your approach to even your pedal setup has made things a little bit more simple for you and freed you up on stage. Yeah, definitely. Would you contribute that to be a huge factor or, or just time? And yeah, I mean, I think everything you said, it's, it's all of the above, like just doing it. Obviously the more you do something, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get. Um, you know, we've all been playing in bands for decades, but I think this band in particular has taken all of us personally to like another level just because it's, uh, it's just a little, well, first of all, we've toured a, a shitload and I think, you know, just repetition always helps. So the shows get more comfortable. You know, I watch, if I watch a show from 2016 compared to a show from last summer or this summer, it's, uh, it looks completely different to me. You know, I felt just as confident back then, but I definitely was not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and wasn't as comfortable with the, with the songs. So yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a matter of repetition, I think, for for me. Yeah, I, I also think, um, you know, you probably can relate to this as a podcaster, you know, listening to yourself or watching yourself on camera or or um, on a podcast, whether you're the interviewer or the person being interviewed, you can you learn a lot about yourself that you didn't pick up on in the first place. And that's oh. very similar to playing music because when you're sitting down at whatever instrument, whether it's a sound or the um, what can I do sort of mentality, you know, the way that feels versus when you watch a video or listen to it on a recording uh, can really transform how you think about it and help you grow into your best, uh, you know, self and keep improving that way. I think yeah. it's a great way to, to, uh, to stay aware and progress and feel like you actually have a better idea for the next thing and the next thing after, you know? Totally. And I mean, I think like you said, gear too, obviously, yeah, with, with, uh, you develop your, your gear and what you actually need to make that performance better. I like you, you were probably talking about, you know, I, I use the helix, which you can kind of see in the background there. Yes, sir. And, uh, just getting that thing, you know, I got the very first time I used it was in 2017, uh, after the Deftones tour we did, uh, and, um, it changed my life right away but the progression of just using the helix by the by now the way i'm using it is completely has completely like opened up the live performance side for me because i even have ableton just switching my presets for me or switching my snapshots for me on the helix and yeah i can be i can just worry about i, I mean there's still a lot i have to do with the feet but not as you know about 60 percent compared to what i used to have to do or not even 30% what I used to do. And you're doing a lot through the Helix specifically, Mario. I know I think you're like running a click track through there at various times. You're uh, yeah. affecting your vocals, live vocal effects yeah. as well, as and obviously your guitar. But yeah, I mean, that, that dude's a workhorse for you. It is, man. I, it's, uh, it's become like the fourth member of the band, basically, because... Yeah, kind of. Like you said, yeah, vocals. I run, you know, 
all the anything that we any playback that we have runs through there as the interface the audio interface i sent chris the click track through there and i have a lot of control of when we need it and when we don't you know and like i said now i have i have pedals being looped into it on on buttons it's controlling my h9 via midi there's just like there's so many things that 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 thing is doing that it's it's got you know i sometimes i get a little worried because yeah if that thing goes down it kind of there's yeah. a big wrench in the show. I could probably do it. I know that, you know, give me a distortion pedal and a delay a delay pedal and we can have a show. Sure. But, you know, you get used to certain things. <laughs> it's even running our well, the Helix isn't, but Ableton is running our lights now. Oh wow. And I've got I've gotten used to having those things kind of synced up to the show to where now when we play a show where we don't have lights, it almost feels like empty. You know, it feels a Should have gotten a uh, sponsorship from uh from Yamaha for this. Yeah, one. no doubt. <laughs> yeah, right. Yamaha. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say there's a reason why uh, I, I, I learned very quickly that this band was very appealing to gearheads and including people at gear companies. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, if there's one thing I can confidently say about our fan base, that's one yeah. thing I can tell you yeah. about. <laughs> Bunch of gear nerds. A lot of gear people. Anytime I go to a live show, that's what I'm always at the stage before they even play. I'm like, what pedals are we putting out? What are we, what are we doing to achieve the sound? <laughs> yep. Cause like I want to rob from somebody something. <laughs> it's funny yeah. though. Like, cause we really aren't big gear nerds ourselves. Like no. as much, you know, even though I'm using all this technology, I don't really care too much about like, you know, people get so stuck on like, is it the right amp or the right cable or the right, you know, that right. the quality of things were like, I've just, I've always been like that. Where like, I don't know, give me a four track and, a, and an acoustic. We'll make a record, whatever we have at our disposal, but we don't really get caught up. Like Chris is definitely not a, a drum gear. Not nerd. at all. And you know, you know I've I, Sarah definitely isn't, she loves her pedals, but she doesn't give a shit what company or what brand it is as long as it sounds good yeah and i'm not ignorant of it you know i'm aware that we are obviously um using a lot of really cool things to get the sound that we're using but i think what's uh interesting is sort of like how um how separate that is from from the way we are how it's probably perceived because like you know i i love drums but uh, i'm i i know a lot of people that obsess more about the equipment and and videos and all sorts of stuff yeah. and technique and to me it's more about a uh um you know it's the sound coming up with a beat to 100 a part so that it sounds cool as opposed to really like fo- focusing so specifically on like the uh the whatever you the know price what I mean? tag <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah 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 <laughs> yeah well the approach to any instrument too a lot of folks you know a lot of people feel like I know the big guitar lingo to use is like it's not so much in the gear, but it's in the hands, for example. Yeah, and I th- that 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 the same is true for drummers though too. Uh, let sure. me say that too. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I think probably more so for drummers than guitars. You know, because like you can throw a distortion pedal in a guitar and have a few different people play a power chord. It's probably going to sound exactly the same. But you give a guy a snare, three different people a snare drum and a right. stick. And every single one is going to sound different. Yeah. I have I have two people that I always think about when it comes to this topic, and it would be uh, Johnny Ramone because even though just to kind of contrary to that a little bit, like it's a power chord, but the way he down strokes, yeah, yes. the, yes. the way he yeah. does that is a little bit uh, more um, aggressive than somebody doing the up uh, up and down stroke, kind of right. like loose. It's very tight, totally, and. Um, and, and and it's a very basic example of of that. And I think, uh, you know, again, going back to uh, Queens of Stone Age, like Dave Grohl, who played on Songs for the Deaf when he 
hits a snare drum and a tom, it's just different. Um, yeah. Dave Lombardo from Slayer hits a, a drum set. I just can tell yeah. that that's him hitting the drum. It's very distinct for some reason. I don't oh. know why. No, I, I agree. They, uh, there's a lot of thunder behind them hands for those two boys, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, and it gives them their signature iconic sound, which totally. is uh, a, a huge goal for a lot of musicians, I think. I 100% agree. Speaking of signature iconic sound, I, you guys are definitely carving your own path there. I feel like uh, we've talked a little bit about the gear, but uh, you guys tune and drop B, is that right, Mario? Yeah, for the, for the most part. That's kind of like our standard start. Uh, there's a, a few songs that have like a more dropped where I, I drop the, you know, the E string down to F sharp. And then what would be my B string and standard tuning is goes all goes down to F sharp as well. So there's a lot of F sharp. F, there's like three different F sharps in there. Um, and then we have a couple on the new record that go down to B flat. Just, just the, the quote unquote E string goes down to okay. B flat. And uh, yeah. And then I do the F sharp thing on the second string quite a bit too. Very cool. I know that you too, Mario, have used several different types of guitars over time as well. I've, I've seen you play some like Dunable guitars, some SGs, uh, Fender Strat as well. Yeah. Like when you're, let's say you're running a live rig, are you taking all those guitars on tour with you and switching out or kind of what's the approach there? Um, these days, really the only two I take are the Dunable and the uh, and the Strat. They kind of, they, they're definitely different. They play very differently, but they sound close to similar. Um, because the humbucker that I have in the Strat, it's it, it's it's a little more scooped out than the uh, the pickups in the Dunable, but they're both, you know, it's kind of like just how I feel that day. If I'm like, I, I don't know, the Dunable's feeling a little too stiff, and I want to just kind of have a guitar that I can bend around and and kind of, I the the Strat just feels a little freer to play. But that said, the Dunable feels like a tank, and it just really has like, I don't know, this like meat to it in the in the in the feeling of the playing sense it's looking at it right behind you yeah yeah right over here (laughs) uh but uh so yeah really those are my two guitars now i do have a pure salem that that i like a lot um and i was using that quite a bit but it's also like the sgs that i used to play it's a 24 and a half inch scale so it's for the super low tuned stuff it just kind of can't hold it well um it doesn't sound bad and it's just tuning back up i don't know just i can't they they don't stay in tune at that point right yeah you can spend a lot of time tuning your guitar back up during a live set if it's going out on you like every song yeah exactly which happens anyway sometimes just because of how we tend to go off on the instruments but yeah tell me how your guys relationship with ipecac started as well so that started in uh 27 yeah i guess at the end of 2016 so after we put out titles which was our first album um, we did a Deftones tour and we, I had been writing a ton of stuff for our next record, um, which we had gotten in touch with Aaron Harris at that point. And we, you know, he, we worked with Aaron in the past. Sarah and I had a band called Sleep Lady when we lived in San Diego and he mixed one of our records. It's kind of how we met and, uh, became friends. And, um, he's just awesome. I love working with him and he's super chill and such a good dude. So we really wanted to work with him again. And we wanted to make this record with him, regardless of what label it would be on or whatever. <laughs> but when I had all the demos ready to go, we started sending them out. And he suggested Ipecac as well, because ISIS had been on there. Um, you know, he had some sort of connection to it. So we sent to a bunch of different labels. Ipecac, Greg from Ipecac was 
basically the first one to get back and he loved it. He was really into it, but wasn't sure about uh, Mike being into it. And their pact for Ipecac is that they both have to love the band to sign a band. So, you know, when we heard that, we were like, oh, man, I don't know. I can't really see Mike being into this stuff or whatever. And uh, but sure enough, the next day he wrote back and he was like, I love it. Let's do it. And since then, that's we've been that's awesome. We've been there. Yeah, we're not going anywhere unless they make us leave. <laughs> recording artists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike Patton, that that is a guy that's on my Mount Rushmore front man in music. He is just. Oh, yeah. He can do everything. He's incredible. One of my favorites of all time yeah. uh, since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to get the brand and seal of approval from him in particular, that's got to be uh, put a little wind in your sails. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty uh, wild. Yeah. Opening up for Bungala this a couple months back was, was a trip. <laughs> oh, man. I could imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I guess maybe like the first time that I actually heard you guys' music technically was leading up to Alchemy of the Dead. So it was the Seance EP that you guys put out ahead of that, I guess. I mean, there's a few yep. tracks that are on both albums. Yeah, right. And and that came out about six weeks prior to Alchemy for the Dead. So Epicac in particular, I, I set that up talking about Epicac. It was, uh-huh. I follow them, of course, and I saw them sharing some of like the promotional and album making materials and stuff for you guys. I'm like, this is incredible. Immediately what I heard. And some of the early stuff I saw was interviews with Sarah and her talking right. about the approach to the songwriting on the album. And I was like, I'm really locked into what these guys are selling. And so I checked you guys out immediately loved your music realized you guys had you know these multiple years of back catalog as well and uh, kind of went on that musical journey and discovered that you guys had all of these uh, amazing sounds to your band thanks man well deserved and so you know you guys releasing that ep i'm just kind of curious kind of like what the strategy was releasing that ep like six weeks out from the full-length album can you kind of talk me through that so it was kind of like um i guess the the approach to this album in every aspect for us was to do things differently uh, than we have in the past or than people usually do. Um, So from the production process to the songwriting to everything, we wanted to just push ourselves out of where we've been in the last few records. And even though I think the last few records had evolved a little bit, you know, they're not exactly the same or anything. um, There was kind of a sound to them and we really wanted to change that. So starting there, uh, we just, that was the mindset for the whole process of this new album um therefore when it came to the the release of the record uh me and mark shapiro who works for ipecac he's kind of like their main guy he he basically runs the label he's you know he's the boss basically um and he's amazing him and i were just brainstorming on ways to kind of just make it stand out in a different way and and not just you know release single single album done you know Right. So we came up with the idea of doing an EP. And I think it's something that a lot of bands used to do back in the day. They would do like singles and things like that, where it would be like one or two songs that are going to be on the record and then a few other songs that will not be like B-sides type of thing. Sure. I've always loved that, too, because later on down the line, you find those things and you hear songs that you haven't heard because you only know the records. Um, So that was kind of the idea behind that. Um, So it gave us the chance to still release singles you know, kind of in the traditional these days manner, but have like a different aspect to it. And, you know, we had, instead of waiting, we knew the vinyl was going to take forever and we didn't really want to just wait for the vinyl for the music to come out. Cause we had a tour coming up. 
so we decided just yeah let's let's put it out as well and you know we had the documentary which you've been kind of uh hinting at too which our friend john pope made for us which he he did an amazing job here in this same room just (laughs) being a fly on the wall for weeks while we while we made the record um so there was just a lot of different little aspects to the to the release process that I think made it interesting. Even the way we we premiered the album, the full length album, uh, instead of getting like a magazine or an outlet to premiere it online, we just uh, we did a live stream of it on Bandcamp. So we showed the documentary and we live streamed the album as kind of like a listening party. So you could buy a ticket and come listen to the record for the very first time before it's out. Um, which that was really cool. And I think fans that did join that were, it just felt, it felt really close and we were all kind of like chatting on the chat and it it was really cool. It was something that I think we might just keep doing at this point. Cause it was, it I was, loved that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's for us, I think too, like we can um, kind of bend the rules and try different things. We're not uh, some like, you know, pop artist that's breaking out into the sure. uh, mainstream world so yeah. why not try you know we're trying something different musically can try something different uh how we uh market and promote the uh thing so uh you know i didn't have anything to do with uh it but i loved the uh ideas that these guys came up with and i feel like it worked out obviously with the uh amount of new new people that have heard about us i think something um something different has taken place uh you know with this for, for sure you had a lot to do with it chris don't, what's that don't sell yourself short you had a lot to do with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i you know again those promotional materials leading up to the album's release to alchemy of the dead what i liked too about the seance ep approach as well as the making of film was that it kind of gave me the mood and the feelings of like this was a really popular thing like in the 2000s where bands would do like a dual release like they would have a cd plus a like dvd and then the dvd would be like a making of or it'd be the tour that where they started revealing some of the new songs so you could kind of see as the fans kind of got into the newer material and that sort of stuff too to kind of help hype up the album and it kind of like recaptured that feeling to me and i think that's probably initially why i went down that rabbit hole checking you guys out and, and your extensive awesome. catalog too you know i'm big on nostalgia type stuff so you know anything that kind of strikes yeah a chord we are there. too <laughs> i actually uh loved that back in the day i would buy the new albums that had that and i was always excited to pop it into my uh laptop and and watch whatever behind the scenes footage they had and uh those were fun they used to have clickable yeah. chapters and things behind the scenes studio live yeah. whatever a couple of live songs so uh you know I, I i feel you it is similar the way the rollout of that uh with the documentary um you know obviously physical is a little different versus right. uh you know yeah. back in the day think, so you know yeah. these days people worry so much about like you have to have quick content for people because there's no attention right. span and that might be true for like chris said like pop artists which I, I i don't completely agree with that but it might be true um i think the artists themselves can kind of run they could just do it and people will still follow but i i think people's attention span there's there's more than people than we give them credit for and like instead of just having a couple little clips on instagram having a little something that's more tangible and substantial brings you closer to your to the artist and brings you close brings us closer to the fans and like that was actually john's thought process doing the uh doing the documentary was that he wanted it to be 
something that would kind of resonate in a, in a different way than just any regular like making of video. It wasn't just us like, hey, and this is Chris playing drums and this is the, the guitar part being played or whatever. Um, but more something that would be like give give you kind of an idea of who we are a little bit and i guess more intimate is what it is uh, also, he, you know john just, would explain uh, it way better than i can but like not to um go on and on but also like just doing something that you think is cool if that resonates with anybody then the people that are participating in your band's uh worlds in any way whatsoever whether it's the people at the shows or buying the music or folks like yourself it's kind of almost guaranteeing that um you're all on the same page you know we're, right. they're, they're on board they're on board with what you decided uh to uh to to serve to them in yeah the way and i mean so I, cool. I think our our whole goal of this band from the beginning has been to gain real fans not just like clicks on instagram so right. like for me it's way more important to have a fan one fan that is in all in and loves us and loves the music and lo- you know is interested in the story and the and the people and versus just like oh this looks cool they wear you know they wear some dumb masks and click on it because it's <laughs> yeah. like you know yeah just, <laughs> that's a thing <laughs> i mean yeah it's a lot it's a thing a lot of things and not you know not to hate on people who do that that's fine sure. too but it's just for us i feel like i'd rather know that the people who are engaging with us are there because of the music number one and uh you know it, they tend to just stick with us a little more because of that i think yeah you guys are kind of taking like a modern approach to classic idea essentially and totally. a lot of people nowadays like they get to know i guess fans get to know the bands through either well honestly solely through their social media almost in most right. cases i suppose a person could do that through your guys's social media as well but i think you guys are adding that extra layer putting out the content like that you are you know another thing i thought Add, added to a lot to your guys's personality as well was uh when you guys did like the quarantine coverage too and people got to take a peek into like some things some songs that you liked and how you approached them radiohead's one of my all-time favorite bands i loved your guys's cover of you're all i need thanks man it was incredible i'm always a sucker for a good cover and whenever a band <laughs> can pay enough tribute to the original material that it's recognizable but then make it all their own is like the perfect marriage of a good cover in my book and you guys definitely achieve that with that work same same yeah i mean i think i like the approach for us is approach it as fans like what would we want to hear you know what would we want to hear this cover sound like um so yeah i appreciate that absolutely and i you guys did kind of the same thing with the pixies track too, wave of mutilation which pixies i they were kind of a bucket list band for me to see and uh i was supposed to go see them and they the tour got canceled because of COVID in 2021. Oh, so it shit. sucks. And, and they didn't uh, renew their, um, they didn't come back to St. Louis. I had tickets. So it, it's a bummer. Hopefully I'll catch them eventually. But yeah. They're awesome, man. I didn't get to see them until way, you know, until the last five, six years, I forget when it was that I got to see them in Brooklyn, but it's, if, if you get a chance, even if you have to travel a little bit, I'd say it's worth, worth doing still. I feel like I'm rubbing it in, but uh, I think I'm seeing them in a few weeks. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Well, we'll have to live the vicariously guy that, through The you. guy that stays in Brooklyn always Actually, gets the good shows. You know, should tell you um, uh, just a fun, quick story. But I, we, I through a mutual friend, um, was able to get that cover to be played for Joey Santiago of right. the Pixies. Very um, cool. And there is a video of him listening to it where he turns around and goes, I think these guys have a shot at, get it, uh, at making it. Um, <laughs> and then, um, so, 
several months, several months later, that same friend of mine uh, calls me and said, what are you doing? Uh, I'm meeting Joey and um, they're playing tonight. And so I, I got to hang out with him and his whole family wow. uh, after the show and, uh, Incredible. and, then, and, and talk he, to he said he wasn't going to rub it in. And then he started telling this story, <laughs> Hey, but it was just, it was kind of, awesome. it was kind of wild. I mean, that was kind of crazy, like a crazy thing to, to have happen. Like, I think it was just a couple of weeks after that cover was released. That's awesome. Well, Chris, quick, quick, quick sidebar while I got you too. Uh, and it, it was a pleasure that you hopped on here too at the last minute. I know you do some drumming for Julie Christmas, which is on my Mount Rushmore of women front people in music, uh, you know, made out of babies and all of her various projects that she's had over the years. Just an incredible artist. Uh, how did you get that opportunity to do some drumming for her? Um, thank you. Um, for asking about that uh yeah she's wonderful andrew schneider who is the bass player for uh julie and and recorded a bunch of her material um he is a uh a recording engineer that i've worked with in the past and when it came time that she wanted to start playing as a solo artist again um i got a call from him to learn a few songs and try out so uh you know that that's how i ended up playing with her and uh, it's been a great experience so far that's awesome. Yeah, Battle of Mice, Colt, her work with Colt Luna. I mean, I could go on and on. Huge fan of everything that she does. And that's an awesome opportunity that you've gotten there. That's for sure. Thank you so much. We got a new single out. So uh, I don't know if you heard it, but uh, it's up It's up on streaming. Yes, <laughs> it is fantastic. And again, can't compliment your drumming enough. I just, I just think you know exactly what to do to accentuate every musical piece and the approach that you take to your drumming, Chris. So I can't tip my cap to you enough. That means a lot, man. Thank you so much from drummer to drummer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I want to get back into Alchemy of the Day because I, I want to detail kind of for our listeners, uh, regardless of what type of music you like, I think if you have guys haven't heard Spotlights, th- there's something there for you, especially with their latest offering, Alchemy of the Dead. Uh, they released it at the end of April. It's got nine tracks. It's a quick 48-minute listen. And the reason I say quick is because of the variety that we've been kind of detailing in their sound. And uh, I'll detail some of that in some of my listening experiences, some of my first reactions. So, you know, the, the album kicks off with Beyond the Broken Sky and right away, the vocal approach and the instrumentation just made me think of No Quarter by Led Zeppelin, nice. which to me is an all-time favorite track of mine. Hell yeah. And I don't know if that's an inspiration in any way or whatever, but then about- I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, it, now I, you know, hearing you say that, it makes sense, but it wasn't in the in the moment, yeah. <laughs> wasn't methodical anyways. Right. That song was actually written in 2014, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It was, it's just been hanging around on the hard drive and uh, never really made it onto a record until this- until this time well that halfway into that track you guys kick into a killer sabbathy rhythm just doomy as hell too which you know that hooked me right away listening i like to listen to albums from start to finish i mean yeah obviously bands put out singles in advance and you listen to those but i just i again it's back to those nostalgia feels i go back to my days of being you know like 10 years old in the mid 90s and and listening to you know cds from start to finish with the the album art out and reading the thanks and the liner notes and all that stuff and the lyrics and and uh, it kind of helps capture that because i don't i think people miss out a lot of stuff on stuff that's not singles or b-sides if you will yeah and and a band's catalog and some of my favorite songs sometimes are like what people would consider b-sides in a band's catalog totally. and you're missing like really good moments for yourself so i can't encourage folks enough to do that in general so that was a quick little sidebar on that piece but my <laughs> psa for today 
But then it goes into the alchemist and and the drums and the mix of the song all together. I was getting kind of a lo-fi, almost a trip hop feel to it initially. And I was like, boy, this is taking some very interesting turns the first time I heard that song as well uh, with you guys. And then the droniness of the bass and then just those epic guitar bends that are going on. Just I think there's a lot that goes on in that song that you don't expect coming. But when it does hit you, it's a surprise, but in a good way. Right. Yeah. I, and also... You know, I love when people say that because we did talk about ideas during the uh, precursor to the album in particular drum beats. And we did send each other ideas that were purposely outside of the box in terms of the genres that we kind of cross pollinate with um, and have a history with. So trip hop is something that is a huge part of my DNA that I don't think I ever imagined would make its way into a band that I was ever in. So, um, you know, that was super cool for me to just like be on the same page with, with Mario and Sarah where that did seep in. Um, and I don't know if that is how Mario feels about the, 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 the aspect of that genre that sort of kind of definitely. I mean, I think that that song was one of the first songs that it actually was the very first song that you and I, played together when you flew out to like right. write when we were kind of just like trying stuff out yeah um and i mean right off the bat my my thought was like kind of a hip-hoppy vibe portishead sounding right yeah. type thing definitely and, you know shamelessly just went straight for that so <laughs> yeah i mean like you know to yeah. just like you know drop a couple other ones too like i i i grew up listening to a lot of sneaker pimps and massive attack but i and bjork and porter said so like yeah. um but there was never a moment when i was listening to that where i ever thought that there would be a band that you know that would have any of that in it so it was it was just right really cool to to be able to put inject that into what we just did yeah i mean to me like so and if you do go back and listen to all of our stuff especially old old stuff our very first release that's out on Bandcamp only or no it's, i guess it's on spotify and all that stuff a demonstration which is just like a demo that we put out has i think five songs on it um the production on that is super bare bones and we just did it in our practice space there and i when we were very first starting the band but um a lot of this new stuff goes back to kind of what we were doing back then which was a lot more electronic based uh and then even around that time we put out a song called box of talking heads which is primarily all uh electronic beats and very much along the same lines as what we're talking about, like all these bands, really. Yeah. Um, so it's always been there. I think now it just came out in a way that's more obvious and maybe more, I don't know. Just sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the the Portishead piece of it, too, because I felt like there was some of those vibes with Sunset Burial, how it kind of starts out. It's got kind of that macabre feel. Also, yeah. like crosses came to mind for me. Nice just that really gnarled like fuzzed out tone that you get Mario about two thirds of the way in whenever you come in the whole band's real full. Like immediately that made me think of like almost like Josh Hame from Queens of the stone age, like fuzz tone when that kicks in. And I was like, God damn, these boys are just, and and ladies are are, uh, really mixing it up on this album. Just like three, three tracks in. I was like, Holy hell. Like this is insanity already. I love that. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's like the challenge. What keeps things interesting for me personally, at least as a musician is to like, take all the things that you love and try to make them work together without without it being like here's the trip hop part here's the heavy part right. here's the you know blending it into something that's its own thing as a whole not not just and you know 
pieces of influences, you know, sure. <laughs> where it's like super obvious. Well, if you're you're looking at it from like pieces of influence too, it can the cohesion in the music doesn't translate, and uh, I think that's kind of obvious that that's not like necessarily your guys's perspective or approach either, right? Because I don't I don't think that kind of like the synergy in your music, we'll use a present day corporate term, uh, would be as <laughs> evident, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, false gods too, I loved a lot. Great name by the way for a song. Thanks. What I really noticed right away too, of course, was kind of the sax and the drum intro and then bass kicks in then guitar the kind of the sax interplay with the heavy bass tone automatically made my mind went to like loved ken mode's uh album before last that they put i guess they're technically getting ready to put out another one here in september nice when i first heard them do that i would have never been like okay let's add a saxophone to a hardcore band but ever since hearing it, I'm like, why don't more bands do this? Yeah. And then for that to pop up on your guys' album, I was like, holy hell, these guys uh, are definitely locking into some some different vibes with this album and really pushing themselves musically and artistically. Nice. That's a great record, by the way. I like uh, yeah, I like that record band. a lot. Andrew Schneider oh, yeah. produced that one. Nice. <laughs> um, I haven't actually heard that record. I gotta I gotta listen to it because I I, I saw them live once. I think uh, like twenty. 15 or something like that like so it was a long time ago at st vitus uh, and they blew me oh. away but i've i just haven't kept up. i'm terrible i'm a terrible music listener i like i really don't listen to much music but i should they uh well i mean when you're writing your own music <laughs> but also i know mario you record music too so that's a whole different yeah. in and of itself and a huge time consumer so it's hard for you yeah. to like, go out and listen to new stuff after eight hours of mixing music i'm usually not ready to go listen to music I can I, I can vouch vouch for that. <laughs> Mario definitely does not. I listen to music all day long. Mario definitely does not as much. Yeah, <laughs> I do love it. It's just yeah. you know, sure. But uh, yeah, I, I, as far as the sex on false gods for me, the what really brought it out to. I mean, I I've loved horns. I've studied jazz for a long time, and during COVID, I was kind of getting back into that a lot and practicing guitar and getting all my jazz stuff back and all the the theory back. And so I was listening to a ton of like Coltrane and uh, Eric Dolphy and like weirder, weirder stuff that's more like sax or, you know, he played bass clarinet. But um, and so that that was kind of in my head. I just wanted to have something with horns in it. But when we had that song, what really brought me back to it was more like an 80s approach to it, like almost like. I don't know. There's, I can't really pinpoint a part, but there's like, so many uh, bands. Who Sexy saxophone man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, what's Kinda, that? Um, man, at, man, at, is that? Man at work. Man at work. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. No, that I hear kind that. of shit. Yeah. And there's like this delayed, the cure had a lot of sax in it. Um, yeah. There's uh, one of my favorite things in music and it's a part of a police song. Um, I think it's ghosts in a material world, spirits in a material world. There's, it's the craziest thing because at the at the very beginning of that song, there's one little sax fill, and then there's no saxophone <laughs> in the rest of the song, and that's always blown me away. Where I'm like, they just were like, just leave that little piece in. That's perfect, <laughs> and then the rest there's like nothing. I don't know. So for some reason, like those things were the ones that like made me want to have sax on it. And luckily, luckily we found uh, Ben Opie here in Pittsburgh who just crushed it, and like he, he was in Hell the room yeah. maybe for ten minutes no wow. preparation just heard the song and then destroyed it those jazz cats are different animals man total, without a question total pro yep yeah it was uh it, it, without it too i think it would have it made the song you know because yeah. uh without it it's kind of got uh you know elements of other things that we've dabbled with and a bit of uh 
you know, to me, there's a God flesh kind of vibe with like the bass and drum interplay, maybe not so much the vocals, but then when you throw the sax in, it's kind of takes it into a different uh, place. Almost like morphine too, like kind of like a morphine sound. Well, I wanted to bring up another example on the most recent record, Alchemy of the Dead again, or For the Dead, excuse me again. And, uh, Crawling Toward was a, a song that right away, immediately, I was like, this has got some My Bloody Valentine vibes. Now, I will say kind of how you approach your vocals in general, Mario, is your vocals are usually kind of typically behind the mix, which is kind of you know, like stereotypical for production on like shoegaze albums. And I mean, right. other artists do it, other genres do it, but I'd say it's sure, more prominently sure. in that realm. Right. Which I, always fascinates me because I think it piques the listener's curiosity in the sense to try and discover as to more what's going on there. That's just my personal take on it that's that's the way it's always intrigued yeah. me that approach but man i there was actually like a tinge of like mew in there too for me yeah i was I mean, like hey, a- that, i kind of drew that comparison there too a little bit but again i wanted to just like highlight that example because it's showcasing the variety that you guys are bringing on this album yeah mew is especially for sarah and i, I know chris loves Mew too but mew is like one of our very all-time favorite bands as well and i mean i i'm not ashamed to say that crawling toward the light is basically a mew ripoff <laughs> because <laughs> Very cool. which is fine but uh but yeah that song i it's def- definitely lands into into mew territory which again if you go back and listen to our very very early stuff you'll hear a lot more of that shining through i think i say all that to say this as well <laughs> this album is going to be on a lot of people's greatest album of, of the year list. You know, those oh, year man, end lists so. that people get. I guarantee you, I saw you guys already getting some love on nice. some mid-year lists um, yeah, across yeah. various, you know, institutions. But uh, I think that you guys are going to appeal to even more fans. And I hope this, you know, newest album obviously brings you as much new fans and success. Thanks. I wanted to hit on to you guys have been so generous with your time. The fact that you guys had the opportunity to, to do the super unknown redux and you guys did the cover of uh, black hole sun specifically for that right. compilation right how did that come together yep um so jad uh from blues Fun- blues funeral records and magnetic guy he's part in both of those record labels he's awesome and we did uh we did an ep in 2020 that's called we're all atomic on that came out on blues funeral so we've had a relationship with him and um he just approached us about doing the cover for for that record and and the second redux that they did too and uh yeah i mean it was just a no-brainer it seemed like something like an awesome opportunity to to again approach a cover in whatever way we could uh i think that one in particular maybe we took a little less liberties creatively like and sure maybe stuck a stuck a little more to like the song itself and just imprinted what we do onto it but um it was fun it was a lot of fun you guys also did Jesus Christ pose too, right? Yeah. Now that one, we we definitely changed it up on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I had a great time on that one. That was a lot of fun. We did that remotely, and yep. um, I uh, was trying to kind of like do again, like I don't know if I would call it trip hop, but it was definitely it was almost like like, uh, like what do you call it, like uh, like jungle beat. Right. I was going to thank you. I that's another thing I was really into growing up was, was jungle. I, these like mixtapes that I would pick up, uh, you know, and, um, Mario had expressed, uh, an idea to me to try and encapsulate uh, a drum beat of that nature and loop it without me necessarily even knowing what he was going to do with it. So I, uh, I live in New York and they live in Pittsburgh. So I recorded this drum beat and at a studio out in Brooklyn, sent it to Mario. And then, um, he, he, 
It was interesting. Yeah, I, think I just gave you a tempo. I was like, just do it to this yeah. tempo. <laughs> and now I'm remembering. So he said, yeah. he told me, play to this tempo, play this kind of beat. I did that. And then he said, uh, you know, do and like go nuts for one of them. Yeah, go nuts for one of them. Yeah. Keep one of them kind of like the same. And then what you have is a blend of the two. Um, and I honestly wasn't playing with anything in mind. I was playing alone with no music. Yeah. Um, so so that's how that came together. Yeah. yeah that was an interesting <laughs> one. Very cool. Yeah, yeah that very different. It was more approach. like, yeah, it was like, play this for five minutes uh, with no music at all to this <laughs> tempo and send it to me. So that it was, was, I mean, it worked it out was. way better. I think it worked out better than if I was in the room with him doing it. And like, you know, if we had the song already hashed out, because it dictated a lot of what we ended up doing with the song to begin with. Just having that, whatever he did, you know, there's parts where he's kind of like doing some crazy Tom work that almost sounds like it's in an odd time signature, but it's not. Um, a lot of that stuff I would have probably been like, no, 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 that's too, like, that's yeah. too much. And then we would have, you know, simplified that or something. And have, have you ever seen, um, 24 hour party people or any of Yes. It, it reminds I was thinking about that totally. when I was doing it, like the crazy parts nice. where they're like stressed out and running around and it's like, yeah. yes. which is basically me, um, walking around my neighborhood. So I just <laughs> that, 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 that drum beat kind of, uh, kind of felt like that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i could see was, that, that for was sure a fun one it was kind of an experiment but I, i'm i'm glad we did it and uh i don't know how the uh how the doom metal fans are are taking it but hopefully they like it too ah <laughs> they'll get with the times that's right yeah i know you guys have done a lot of touring maybe not like in the traditional sense that people think like in the last year like you go out on a date and you're on the road for 45 days straight or whatever the case is but i know you guys have done some of that too i know you guys have kind of taken more geographical like isolated approaches like you'll do the east coast or you'll do the south or southwest or like you guys did a canada run not too long ago Uh, how's the last year on the road treated you guys it's been awesome um yeah it's been nice to well you know because the way you're talking about of doing more like regional regional jumps is yeah. really only at post COVID. Uh, before that, you know, before COVID, we were doing pretty much full U.S. tours, or you know, we toured with the Melvins for three months straight. Basically, did eighty shows in a row. Um, wow! You know, all of Canada, <laughs> all of the U.S., back and forth, maybe three or four times through the United States, and uh, we were doing just a lot of big tours. But then after COVID, things were a little weirder. We did more like a week here, a week there. Um, so it was really nice now to get back having a new album to be able to do a full two months again and just hit everywhere as much as we can at least we had to skip a few cities just because it's, it's sometimes it does doesn't work out but um yeah and then canada unfortunately we could only do again like just eastern canada and one show and yeah in western canada but we try to get out as much as we can it's it, it's been this last year has been great like chris has been saying tons of new fans you know, different types of fans, young, uh, which is awesome for us because it's Absolutely. not just a bunch of bearded old guys anymore. There's a, <laughs> a bunch of, who who we who we love. Who, we love them all. No, yes. I mean, I, most of our, yeah. they're our favorite. <laughs> most but of it, our friends are those guys. <laughs> it's nice to it's nice you. to see more diversity in our crowds now. And and you know, it was surprising to us every night. We'd be like, oh my god, there was like just all types of people there and right the diversity it was awesome i mean way more women way more younger people and um and i it felt like maybe they thought this was our first album that's just how i felt sometimes like sure which is which is a great feeling that's actually yeah for me it's 
to me that's like a no new fans yeah. are the best fans you know because it's because because they they're there and they made it so it's it's awesome yeah to, to be honest with you i might have like kind of thought the same thing again with just like the marketing vehicle it seemed like you guys kind of had behind you i don't know if like you guys had that much energy behind you with other releases in the past it just it seems like you guys casted a wider net uh with this release in particular so i think that that's definitely contributing to what you guys are seeing boots on the ground yeah yeah it's awesome yeah it was it was my favorite so far for us i mean yeah we uh, have been doing it a lot so it's like it, it, this was the first time i think where we were showing up to places also and I'm really surprised because maybe it had doubled since the last time we were at some of the same spots, you know, and, um, you know, t- Toronto and, and Montreal were, were like, what's this going to be like? And then we showed up and it was yeah. fantastic. And, um, you know, there was a lot of places that we've been going to the same exact place and then it was better this time than the last time and yeah. the last time before that yeah. i gotta ask too, how was it to tour with the melvins? I mean, I know you guys did a lot of dates, but man, I know that that's a, an influence or at least your fans of the Melvins in particular, from what I've seen in Definitely. previous interviews. It's amazing, man. They're, uh, I've, if they would be, if, if I had, they're like a desert Island touring partner, I think, because, uh, Very cool. we've learned endless amounts from them about how to tour, how to be a sustainable band, what you really need, you know, what you really don't need. And it, you just, everything details about, you know, hotels and where to park and how to be smart about all <laughs> kinds of things like it seems funny but those things are really important for the business side of being a band and for the longevity side of being a band so aside from us being huge fans of theirs and just getting to watch them every night and just get your face blown off by them yeah you know, we've got <laughs> we've 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 uh not only gotten to share the stage with them but literally shared the stage with them you know sarah and i on the long tour we did uh, for about, I don't know, 55, 60 of those shows, got to play their last song with them on stage, which was really just, it's one of those surreal things where you're like, I'm playing Lysol with the Melvins right now. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, and then on this last tour with Bungle, she, uh, Sarah was playing Night Goat with them as well with Trevor Dunn, Steve McDonald, and Sarah on bass, three basses at once. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh it doesn't get lost on you that you're out with um you know legendary you know iconic dudes who are you know at the end of the day just regular human beings but you yeah. know to have the history that they have um and the um just the catalog and 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 the innovation you know and and just to sit there and watch each of them play their instruments and all the things Mario said to to take away from um on a on a on a non-musical level to take yeah. knowledge from them uh and i've heard you say this before it's like going to school or you know yeah. going to college you know like you, you you don't really get the opportunity i mean i feel like fugazi is probably the only other band that i can think of that i love that had a similar sort of uh work ethic and maybe a similar um uh behind the scenes way of doing business so right. to to actually just be there versus hear about it and then leave a venue and put that into your band um, yeah. is a uh, very incredible thing yeah, to uh, to be gifted with, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. It's kind of a master class. It really is. Yeah. And they're amazing humans too. Like they're just good people and, you know, kind and thoughtful and generous and like, you know, 
I, it's just, I can't say enough good things about touring with those guys. I mean, you know, just to wrap that up too, like I was going to say, like, it's not every day. I mean, you could go on tour with your favorite band. Like, are they going to actually sit down and sort of spend that time with you? With you. Are you going to watch baseball with them? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. Uh, now I know you guys have some other shows in the future. I think I saw a date you guys have coming up Thanksgiving weekend, possibly in Ohio with Baroness and Soul Glow. Is that right? Yeah, that's part of a longer stretch that we're doing with them. Uh, you know, those shows are all announced, but our part isn't fully announced. Uh, whatever. If, if people find out, that's great because they're going to find out anyway. But it, <laughs> we're doing from November 14th to the 26th with them. Okay. Uh, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. You so. just leaked it, bro. I'm, I'm sorry. Leaked, I'm sorry. We leaked, leaked the info. <laughs> you leaked no, it on fine, Twitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> so get your hey, tickets. Uh, blame Spotify because actually whenever I was listening to your guys' catalog, it always tells me if a band that I'm subscribed to and I like them, if it has an upcoming show and I got a notification yeah. that you guys are in Ohio and I'm like, seems weird that they just have this one date on here. I know. No. So it's going to be part of a part of a two week run there. And then we're going to finish it off with a couple headline shows too that should be announced in the next couple of weeks, probably. Well, Baroness is amazing. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy your time on the road with them. Yeah, we can't wait. That's Soul Glow is one of my newer favorite bands too. So that's awesome. I got to check them out. I've They're never great. heard them. Yeah. yeah, I really like the new record. Yeah, the one they put out la- last year. Yeah, last year on and, uh, Epitaph. Yeah. Yep, that was yeah, that, one of my favorite releases. Yeah, I nice. and uh, we're we playing one show with Chat Pile too. It's going to be Ooh. two, a couple, cho- a couple shows with oh, Chat Pile, a couple shows with Vile Creature, and a couple shows with Soul Glow. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. kind of they have a lot of they have a lot of changing support throughout this whole tour that they're doing. Chat Pile's incredible too. Yeah, that's exciting too because it's a diverse um, array yeah. of like a lot of like you know Definitely. whatever modern artists. Uh, yep. So you know it only um, a lot of happens. variety too. So it's not just three right. of the same band playing every night you know exactly chat pile is a band too that i feel like kind of has a little bit of a throwback sound to them in the sense of like their influences are kind of evident like they almost sound like people who haven't heard of them that i recommend them to i'm like if you like like the drum like the mixing approach to like maybe like Godflesh, but you yep. like like old corn riffs like you might like these guys. <laughs> usually i hear a lot of jesus lizard that. oh definitely music. yeah definitely jesus yeah. lizard too but oh, yeah uh, definitely I usually gauge the temperature of the room with that comment and see where that That's takes good. the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 never met them or seen them, but uh, I think I played it a few times in the van, and we've and at some of the venues we played at, it was playing in the speakers, and it's a really good record. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, God's Country has definitely blew them up last year. So, gentlemen, you guys have been so giving with your time. I just want to ask you a few quick hit rando questions on our way out so our audience gets to know you guys, your personality a little bit better. Um, We'll mix it up a little bit. Some of it will be music-related. Some of it will not be music-related. Are you all ready to play this game with me? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, awesome. Hell yeah. (laughs) So let's, let's start with if money is no object, what is a dream piece of gear or equipment for each of you? You go first. I have to think. Oh, come on, man. If mo- <laughs> so if, 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 if money is no object. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like a dream piece yeah. of gear. Oh, and it could okay. be like John Bonham's kit or something like that, too. Like it could right, be very right. specific. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I want a Ludwig acrylic set. Or sure, sure, or sure. Gosh. Okay. Well, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess you kind of said it. I'm, I I I probably would want one of Bonham's kits. I don't know if it would be the acrylic kit or his wood kit, but yeah, uh, the reason why I would probably want that, I would say like whatever he played on "Fool in the Rain" on that album, oh, because yeah. 
of how um, imitated the sound that he had was. So I've always had a curiosity, not just about his kit, but like a lot of those drummers of what it would sound like today if I had it in a room in this studio, for example, or if I was playing it live because we're so used to hearing uh, those bands and those pieces of equipment in vintage, uh, uh, you know, with vintage microphones and whatever, you know, so I would like to hear that in a modern setting. So I would say the drum set that John Bonham played on Fool in the Rain. (laughs) There you go. He kind of fed that one to you. He got, you did feed that to me. (laughs) Hey, it's the drummer thing, man. It is, it is. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't know if I can go with one answer in particular, but I'll try. So I'll go, let's say as a guitar player, I'm just like, I told you, I'm not a big gearhead, but I think one thing I, I would love to have is like a custom electrical guitar company guitar okay if i could sit down with uh what's his name kevin i think is the owner and design something and not have to pay for it that would be incredible or pay for it and it wouldn't matter <laughs> my it wouldn't hurt my bank account i think um, isn't that, would that what be, steve that steve has from torch i think he has an electrical guitar i think he has one of those yeah he hasn't i yeah i mean they're they're awesome i've i've kind of played with the idea of getting one in the past but i ended up with the dunnable which i also love just as much i've heard good stuff about the dunnable stuff yeah they're incredible man i can't recommend them enough uh but the electricals i played on seismic i i got a chance to use cliff from ice's his electrical baritone so like on a few of those songs i got to play that guitar and it's just like man there's something to how those guitars play every note Every note just feels like it's like a chiming piano. It's it's no matter where on the neck you are, it felt. And this was one of the aluminum neck ones. Yeah. Um, it was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a percussiveness that comes with those, the way those guitars are built that is just kind of like hard to replicate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to take a recording version of that and let's see. I'm going to take two. Just I'm, I'm going for, Go for it. it. Go for it. Let's, uh, I would take like a like an old Neve 1073 console, okay, or console with 1073 preamps and EQs in it. That would be nice, and then maybe just like an original Telefunken 251. That's all I would ask for. Like the rest, I don't care. I'll 57s and Behringer shit works okay. just fine. <laughs> Very cool. Can I can I can I just add to that too? <laughs> Go for it. Um. Um, for me, it would probably be what I said earlier, or I, I'm really, really fascinated by, um, Alex Van Halen's drum set. Yeah. Um, it just sounds, no, there's not a single drum set that sounds like that at all. No. I mean, I've never, it's just weird and I would want to sit down and play that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah. Now you would, you would have to talk about what era of Alex Van Halen though, too, because you know, they had the eighties era of the Van Hagar stuff where there was a little electro mix in kit stuff. I would assume you're all percussive, right? Percussive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go like with early, early. Um, I'm talking like jump era. Okay. You know, it's just like a really good, like 1984. Not, yeah, not even like, um, oh my God, what is the, drop c song that's like so fucking good um anyway not not yeah so mid-era 80s uh with roth <laughs> okay yeah yeah that's where it's at if you guys could meet anybody from any period of time who would it be and why it could be a historical you gotta figure go here, first. musician whatever god for you gotta go for anybody from any period of time that's really that's really something oh, i mean man. we're not even talking about musicians so that's really tough 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that made it much harder. Cause I, you know, I still, I'm still holding out to meet Robert Smith. I think it's just one of those yeah. bucket list things. I would love to, to just meet him and just sure. say thank you. Uh, damn somebody i mean if i was going to say a musician uh, it's super generic but uh you know kurt cobain but i kind of wanted to sound a little bit more uh worldly uh than just <laughs> shout, shouting out a musician because there's so much Ooh. other stuff in the world you know like i could have said like malcolm x or something yeah um I, i'd like to meet alan watts too sorry oh, okay. i just yeah, thought ahead, that too please. that would be a nice i'd like to have a chat just like sit down and listen to that guy talk in person Let's talk Mount Rushmore of artists that you would like to tour with. So, but I want somebody that you haven't toured with yet. So let's say like maybe a bucket list of artists you'd like to tour with. Let's make four selections. Four. So two and two? Yeah. Well, you guys can make four each if you'd like. I'm sure that there's some on Chris's list that aren't on Mario's, but there might be some crossover. That's true. That's true. God. Uh, I can start, I guess. I'm, I'm super redundant every time people ask me this, but the cure would be one of my goals to tour with, even though it would be an odd pairing maybe at this point, but maybe not. Um, and then another one that I wish this would be like amazing bucket list for me would be Jane's addiction. I mean, I, I would do it nowadays, but if like, you know, early nineties, yeah. late eighties, Jane's addiction, I would kill, Definitely. kill to be on tour or just, just to see that. Would sure be enough. But yeah. Jane's addiction would be a huge one for me. Yeah, two more. Oh, two more. Damn. Um, you you do two, and I'll think oh, of another God. two. God, <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get this out of the way and sound like a cheese ball. But um, uh, Foo Fighters, because oh, yeah. um, well, I am a huge fan. Um, you know, yeah. but uh, um, I feel like a band like that in 2023 is is really kind of carrying a torch that maybe was carried by a lot of bands back in the um, you know. It goes like I see a I see a show like that, um, or like Guns N' Roses, who I've seen recently. I feel like I'm at like a Led Zeppelin concert, or a, yeah, you know, to bring it back to that, you know, in or or like a Sabbath, you know, show like you know who I've seen uh, their last tour. But you know, you know, it's like that's a cool experience, and they've done a great job of curating Definitely. openers that, um, you know, so yeah, uh, them and uh, Queens of Stone Age for sure, who I just Definitely. saw, and uh, The Cure. So that's three for me. I'll save my last one while you okay. tell them the other ones. So I just saw Gojira play for the first time nice. last week, and it fucking blew my head off, man. Like oh, man. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Such a good band. Talented. In, in so many ways, not only just musically, but like production-wise. The whole thing was just insane. So I'm going to put them on the list because I think that would be a great tour, and I would love to do that. And it's almost possible. Yeah, I don't think that like <laughs> enough people give them their flowers, man. They are just so good in so many aspects. Dude, so good. Yeah. Um, and then oh man, this is it's really tough. I would uh I would say Mew. Nice. That's my last one. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I'm with, this is tough for me. I'm gonna with my last one here, but um I am going to say um <laughs> We're really Bjork. dragging I'm, this out. I'm gonna say Bjork. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Very yeah. nice choice. Oh, yeah. That's that would yeah. be incredible. Back to that like my personal Mount Rushmore of like female artists. I said Julie Christmas she's... is definitely on there and Bjork's on there as well without question. Oh man, <laughs> she's at the top. Yeah. She's, she's also definitely a fan. <laughs> yeah, we uh we did a uh, a women's month curated in July where we talked about some of our favorite women's musician and uh both Julie Christmas and Bjork was on my list of nice. women's musicians in particular. So, I you know feel the that day one. that uh 
the day that these guys wanted to um, give me uh, a copy of their first album to uh, to learn the music. But when I was starting to uh, play with them, uh, we met up at a at a at a bar close to Rough Trade, the uh, record store in, in Brooklyn at the time. Oh, and, awesome. um, I thought you were talking about Julie Christmas. No, me, I, yeah, me, yeah. me and Mario and Sarah were meeting up That's with each right. other, and uh, and so I didn't know that Mario and Sarah were just at Rough Trade, and Sarah bumped into Bjork. Yep. And, oh wow! And I wasn't there. It was you weren't there. there. Sarah yeah. was there and bumped into Bjork. She left. I walked in at some point, like shortly after, and the uh, people at the cash register were freaking out and told me that Bjork was in there. And then I wow. met I met Mario and Sarah to sit down and um and then we had that shared yeah. uh, sort of shared experience. But Sarah actually saw her bumped into her whatever something. Well, she saw her at least. I, I don't know. She if She said spoke hi. To yeah. Her. She like okay, there you go. fanned out a little bit. But yeah, I missed sure. her. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's Bjork. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do something. I've uh, I've I've had more embarrassing moments in front of artists that I really love. You know, like the first time yeah. I met Ben Kohler, I was just like, uh, uh, I like you. <laughs> you know, I kind of marked out on myself. Uh, so, yeah. but yeah. yeah, played played drums every night um, on tour with Mutoid Man a while back, and uh, I I definitely didn't feel like a great um, feel great about myself watching him every <laughs> I mean, night. That guy's like a, <laughs> he's incredible. Yeah, different different yeah. type of machine he's yeah. built different yeah he's he's automatic without question all right let's talk about uh fictional characters so let's say uh somebody was to meet you and say that you're most like this fictional character what fictional character would you say that you're most like god i know that there's an answer i just yeah i can't go first oh man god damn it a fictional character that i'm most like yeah if my wife is watching, please text me. That's cheap. I know. I feel like I feel like we should choose each other's. I mean, instead. go for it. Go for it. If it makes no, it no, easier. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready. <laughs> that I'm. So this is like somebody that we that we are. More yeah, like. you would say you were more like. Okay. Yeah. Um. Jesus, this is tough. <laughs> Mario, you got a real Denzel Washington uh, type of trait to you. I, think. Yeah. I like that. I'll, t- I'll take that. In what what, what movie? <laughs> uh, we'll say Man on Fire. How's that? I'll, I'll take it. I like that. God, I mean, can I just say this? I, I I'm a huge, huge Italian mobster um, movie, and as well as oh, yeah. TV show buff. So okay. I don't know which one of these characters I would compare myself to, but. Um, you know, I love this. I mean, you, you're like a Robert De Niro through and through. Okay. Man. So like, I have been told that I have a Robert De Niro, yeah. like, okay. like when people, he wishes he was Italian. I wishes I, I wish I was Italian <laughs> and I live in, I live in Brooklyn. I'm from New York and I, um, have just more in common with the, uh, Italian Americans I feel than I do with the people okay. of my own race. So, um, so I would just say that I'm kind of like, De Niro uh, and it's, I have a De Niro vibe. That's, totally. that's who I wish I was. Although I always tell Chris that he, he, he reminds me of the guy from no country for, for old men. <laughs> The like, what's his name? The big like scary dude in that. In that, I movie? guess I, I make jokes. Uh, <laughs> I do make jokes sometimes at home that uh, as I age, that I uh, am um, resembling uh, Danny Trejo more than I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the name you were looking hey, for man, earlier, hey. Mario, is uh, Javier Bardem. That's him. Yep, that's him. He's amazing. 
Yeah, he is. Oh, she said my 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 wife told me uh, animal from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice. I'm a big fan of animals, so I'll take I'd take Hell that one yeah. too. Somebody was throwing That's that my way. Yeah, yeah. that question. <laughs> Mario, what about you, sir? Oh wait, I thought I just I just took yours. I just took. Yours oh, you just took Denzel and ran with it. Okay, Denzel, we'll take yeah. it. All right. But, uh, yeah. Oh, actually, uh, if anybody watches um, Narcos, um, there's a uh, there's a guy that looks like him. That's a uh, um, that pl- that's a actually a, the FBI, the DEA guy um, on Narcos. Yeah, he he actually looks that. to me looks exactly like Mario. <laughs> so he's got a bit of a doppelganger out there hanging out, huh? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> to me, to me, it's like so similar that it's wild. <laughs> From your guys' perspective, what do you think is going to be mankind's demise? What is going to cause the human race to go extinct Oof. or face a, a threatening event, if you will? Um, I mean, mankind itself is my answer. That's going to be our demise. Yeah, I don't gonna, agree with that one. We'll kill ourselves, you know? I, th- I feel like that demise is has been coming for a long time, and you know, for sure. I'm not in disagreement. Um, you know, I I I, I think that uh, as we advance as a uh, world, when it comes to technology and um, information, not just information to uh, not just information to advance technology, but also just like the um, the methods in which we um sort of like market things and yeah. everything just everything it's yeah. it's 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 great but it's dangerous and there's a price to pay for everything and um you know it it feels like you know at some point that uh a lot of of the advancements will be the death of of um of the whole fucking thing so yeah. i mean i don't know how that goes down but, i mean i i think yeah. religion will probably play a giant part in sure. that and i think that is the demise of mankind since the beginning is uh organized religion definitely uh, you know plays into all the wars plays into all the reasons why 100%. everybody wants to kill each other so it's already the demise of mankind <laughs> Inte- intelligence is not always a good thing it can be your uh worst enemy when you um Right. It's used in the wrong ways, and uh, oh, we there's, there's... we make sure of that. We we use it in all the wrong ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lack of balance in, in 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 most aspects of the world and society and how we operate. And uh, you know, to live uh, um, amongst that and find a balance for yourself in ways that work for you is kind of the best way to go about it, so you can enjoy your time uh, yeah. while we before mankind kills itself. <laughs> but hopefully before then uh, yeah you know Sorry. what i have i haven't even smoked a joint or had an edible and i just g- gave you some deep shit right there so <laughs> well you did but i think the theme we're all hitting on here is kind of group think right so and there's yeah. a lot of things that go behind group think whether it's religion whether it's socio-economic whether it's political you know there's yeah. all these driving factors and often it's a marriage of all of these ideas uh and we've seen too many unfortunate threatening things in our recent history things like j6 and and crazy shit like that going down where it's seeming like more and more of an unfortunate possible reality yeah well and in the long run i guess it's greed greed and power are really the two things that you know humans just can't get away from 
greedy yeah. and everybody wants to be powerful. And also, I think what Mario said now to to sort of think about that a little more like religion. Why, that's why wars happen. That's why um, we are in the Middle East and why a lot of shit is yes. happening. It's yeah. because we are at war over religious beliefs and um, taking yeah. it to heights that are really just doing more damage to yeah, and, the world. and fighting for ideals that come from people that just were in power at one point and wanted to stay in power you know all this shit comes from just like classism from centuries 100%. ago basically and it's money and money and greed man it's a tale as old as time we've been doing it since we've yep. been mankind our tribalism Thanks. we've been warring with people with conflicting ideas just for the basic fact that they look different they talk different they act different than yep. we do don't believe the same it's ridiculous. there are better ways to work on your mental health than going to church yeah yeah i agree <laughs> i mean you know, whatever works for you there's another yeah. psa for the show that'll be a nice clip. Yeah. thank you <laughs> well gentlemen i really appreciate your time i'm gonna let you off easy with one last question what are you currently spinning what are you currently listening to and i know that might be a little bit more difficult for you mario because you don't get to listen to as much new stuff uh, but i'll take anything you've got chris is checking to spotify Tell hey, that's him. okay no <laughs> um what am i currently listening to that's a good question i uh damn it i've been and I kind of am so redundant on this thing, but I've been on a giant cure kick. Actually, you know what? No, I take it back because the last last week I was listening to um, Fugazi's. Is it the argument? That record, like their last record, yeah. basically. Um, that record is so fucking incredible, and I, I listened to it like three days in a row. So that was that's yeah. what I'm spinning. I uh, <clears throat> incendiary. A uh, really great hardcore yeah. band. Change the way you think about pain. That's one of my uh, favorite records right now. And um, if I need to uh, retreat to hip hop, it's probably going to be the the latest Run the Jewels Arts TJ Four. The last Mogwai was really good. It was a slow burn. Mario tried to get me into it, and I was uh, reluctant. And then I ended up loving it. So, <laughs> kind of three three different styles. I, I'm 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 throwing out there. And because of Gojira, I've been going back and listening to their uh, their new record with their last most recent record, which I never really gave it much time. And it's it's actually really fucking good. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time today. Tell the good folks that are watching, listening today, the best way to stay in touch with the band and all the cool things that you guys have going on. Not on TikTok. Yeah, not on TikTok, <laughs> but I hear pretty much anywhere else that, you know, the usual usuals spotlights. It's either usually spotlights music or spotlights band. Uh, you know, a little Google search will go a long way with, with the name. And if you folks like what you hear uh, from Spotlights, I can't encourage you enough to go through avenues such as a band camp, especially when they, they, do, they do their uh, band camp Fridays, where the funds go more directly toward the artists. Um, I always look at Spotify. I always tell people that's the commercial. You know, if you like a band, go, go and invest, buy some physical media, buy some shirts, you know, do whatever you nice. can to help support being in a band. We are going to have links for all of spotlight stuff in our on-demand versions of the episode whether that's our youtube episode on our traditional podcasting platform so if you guys are listening to this the smooth velvety tones of my uh you know preteen voice you will <laughs> be able to you don't have to look while you're driving folks look, whenever you get to a stop just hit those episode right, details right. and you can jump right to their stuff i just remembered we do have a website now it's spotlightstheband.com okay uh it's it's through a company called super tape which is a new company that's doing kind of like a a very cool thing with websites for bands these days. So if you're in a band, check out Super Tape. 
as well. Supertape.com. Yeah. First I've heard that. So I'll definitely have to uh, check it out for myself and recommend it to others. Kind of like a one-stop shop type thing for, for bands. Yes. And all also right. yeah. all our tour dates are everywhere. People comment after we played in their city and they go, why didn't you come to my city? And we were just there. Yeah. Just yeah. check our socials and our yeah. website. <laughs> it's posted. all there. Everything's posted. Well, any sp- special shout outs you guys want to get in before uh, we wrap it up today? Um, well, shout out to Sarah. She couldn't be here. She's working. Absolutely. At Wolf's Pub tonight. Um, Sarah, we love you. I didn't mean to not spend enough time on your awesome bass playing (laughs) as well. I want to mention that. And a fantastic artist as well. Um, But yeah, who else? Shout out to, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Eric Klein from Line 6. Uh, Helix specifically. He's the product manager and designer. Oh, thank you. And uh, shout out to Jenkins Martin Drums. Yeah. Shout out to Dream Symbols. That's right. And shout out to Generation of Vipers. There you go. Very nice. I was trying to pick out what your shirt said. But like, a, your these guys are great. Concerned. If you haven't heard them, check them out. Hell yeah. Generation of Vipers. Will do. You guys are going to hear Spotlight's music in the breaks. And then at the end of the episode, you guys are going to hear a full length of one of their songs to kind of nice. further this experience that we have going on today. And we appreciate you gentlemen, both Mario and Chris from Spotlights. Thank you. Thank you. for sticking around after the break i would like to thank chris and mario for their time today from the band spotlights spotlights what a treat so happy to have had the opportunity to talk to these fine gentlemen unfortunately sarah had some prior obligations and couldn't make the call tonight so sarah we love you too but catch spotlights are getting ready to do a big tour with baroness and soul glow i think there's some other bands hopping on and off at various times at which we discussed in the conversation today, coming to a city near you. So stay tuned on social media. I do most of my business, as you listeners know, on Instagram in particular, but we try to stay up to date with all the other social media platforms just because we know that everybody has their preferences. So even if I capture one extra person going out there, we will definitely do so. Uh, Spotlights, I follow them on Instagram myself, and I know that they're very informative about what they have going on. I will say... Instagram, just like other social media, has gotten so bad about prioritizing things on people's feeds, just kind of like the algorithms and the echo chambers that you get into on social media. And there was a phenomenon that Mario and Chris both brought up. And the fact is that, you know, like, oh, when are you going to come to my city? You know, and they were just in these people's cities in, in a lot of cases. And that, that same thing happened to me. 
I was wondering, okay, well, when these guys coming to St. Louis? And then I find out, I go back far enough on their social media. Well, they were just in St. Louis like two or three weeks before, and I missed them, and I felt like such a shithead. But, you know, you have to like, you know, if you want to see a band and you know that you like that band, and this is something I've learned increasingly over the last few months, like for me, just my own little pro tips, I've started to take like screenshots, like if there's a show announcement or something, so I don't forget it. So I, cause I periodically go through and clean up my camera roll or save a post on social media. Uh, sometimes that gets a little daunting. I'll stay up at that or put it in your phone calendar, you know, to revisit down the line. And, or even if it's a band that you've found new that you like and you think, okay, well, Hopefully I can catch them at a future show. Maybe like make a little note on your phone and like start a bucket list of like, okay, this is new bands that I want to see. And, um, you know, it's like the best piece of advice I can give folks in these instances right now, because social media is not doing a lot for a lot of people, uh, especially if you're not like injecting a bunch of money into it with target ads and things like that. And I'm a firm believer that your merits should speak for themselves. And I understand that the scape of technology and those things are starting to change over time and it's getting more and more difficult to be a DIY band such as a spotlights is and um but fortunately they have relationships with awesome studios with very similar mindsets with bands who built themselves up from their bootstraps like a Ipecac recordings and Mike Patton which you guys know how much of a fan we are of them and any and everything that Mike Patton in particular does but that's spotlights these guys are DIY till I die they do almost everything in house um they're very fan friendly and interactive. Even, you know, coming on to our show, these guys were very timely with communication, routine with communication, touch and base routinely. And uh, I know they've got a lot of big things in the works and in the future as well that they could have been spending their time on, but they took the time out of their busy schedule to talk to us and our audience. So I can't thank them enough. And so let's talk about what we got going on next week. So next week, we're going to lean back into a little St. Louis love. We're going to be interviewing the band Still from St. Louis. So Still has some crossover sound-wise, I would consider, from Spotlights. So Still is an up-and-coming band in St. Louis that we called it actually at the Punk Rock Flea Market that we were a part of back in May that's set up near the Arch. And we got to capture a lot of new artists there and, and build relationships with them. Uh, bands like Direct Measure, hardcore band out of St. Louis. We had a few episodes back. Jay Coast, a St. Louis R&B artist who we had on a few episodes back as well. And we want to encourage folks to check out Still ahead of the interview and conversation that we're going to have with them. Still got some space rock, some alternative, and has some shoegaze influences without question. When I first heard them, first chord progression on their first song of their of their set immediately i thought 90s hum so hum is especially in more recent years has become more of a more of an influence and influence some of the sound and my writing styles and things like that and bands that i've been in and uh, so i think that that's at least for me that's high praise so i'm really looking forward to talking to the guys and still picking their brains about kind of what their influences are and all the cool things that they might have in the works coming up and getting to know these guys a little bit better and have them a part of the ATI podcast alumni, which is uh, growing more and more with each episode. Other things we have in the works, so it's going to be a quick turnaround tomorrow night. Um, going live on the ATI podcast Twitch channel is going to be Ridge Jackson and Jake Jackson, of course, for the waxing on piece, that creative arm of us. That's where we're curating and encouraging physical media. And they're doing a concept episode this time. So they're not doing recent picks. They're not doing recent purchases, recent recent pickups. What they are actually doing is a concept. Over the last five years, their 10 most played albums. And this has to be something they physically have. So I think the majority of what you're going to see in here is vinyl, but there's going to be some cassettes in there. There's going to be some CDs. 
what are those anymore, right? So you guys are going to hear some picks from both Jake Jackson and Ridge Jackson. And these guys have uh, really taken the ball and run on this one. And I'm really looking forward to this episode. Uh, the on-demand versions of that will hit all of our feeds uh, following the Spotlights interview that we have here on this episode for you. So really looking forward to see what picks that they have. And maybe they'll bring some attention to some obscure artists that, or artists that we just haven't had the opportunity to talk about yet on the show. So their most spend album in the last five years. So it was an exercise that I thought was difficult, but like a fun difficult. So I actually made up a note on my phone of my own list. And um, of course, I couldn't keep it to just 10. So I did like a tier, like uh, three different heats. So the, t- the top heat was definitely what I knew to be in my top 10. The second heat was what I speculated to be in my, you know, right behind that. And then the third heat was had to be in the conversation. So I've got 30 different picks that I'll be sharing on my social media, as well as the ATI podcast social media, following the episode, just to kind of enhance uh, some feedback. And I'd like to see some interaction and maybe encourage other folks to do the same. So let us know what you guys think with that episode whenever it hits. That will be episode 15 of Waxing On with RJ. Be sure to stay tuned to all the ATI podcasts, social media uh, that you're engaged with out there just for future programming announcements and those sorts of things. We've basically announced our entire lineup for the rest of season two, and uh, we've only got a few holes. And even since I posted that, we filled one of those three holes that we had in November. I've got some offers out there. There's some bands in particular. I want to get a few more St. Louis bands that are on the rise out there just to give them kind of a platform and an exposure to our wide international audience in particular. We've got listeners overseas and all over God's green earth. Um, So that's something that I'm really proud of the show and the cross that it bears and the flag that it flies is that uh, we get folks to listen to artists that they've never heard before and may have not have heard of previously with some of our curated guest picks. So be sure to follow us on social media to see what bands are coming up. If you want to stay the most in tune with what we got going on and timely, Instagram's the spot, at the ATI podcast, as usual. I am Barrett, at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. And we are out of time for this week. Until next time, good night and good luck. Stay safe out there.
Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support, and as always, please stay safe out there.